morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another magical, maniacal Monday morning, friends. Today's Torch Report 307. 307, we'll be talking about the upside of insanity. Because when the world gets turned upside down, some of the insanity, it just starts to make sense. You know, it's kind of weird what's happening right now in the world. I mean, I think most people can agree there's a lot of strange out there as the Great Reset continues to steamroll humanity as as people gradually adjust and get comfortable with tyranny, the strange and insane. It just becomes more surreal and it becomes more real kind of at the same time. Uh, it, it becomes more surreal. The insanity becomes surreal in the sense that, you know, when I see smiling Biden out there strutting through Kiev, you know, Biden's over in, in Ukraine right now, strutting through the streets of Kiev you know, on the anniversary of the great Russian invasion. And I think, gosh, I can't see my I can't believe my eyes. Again, it seems kind of surreal. Is this really happening? Uh, but at the same time, that stunt makes the insanity of it all feel all the more real, more real than ever before. Because, yes, it is, in fact, happening. So, yes, it is absolutely insane. You know, surely people can see the stupidity of this charade, right? You know, I mean, obviously not so much. But but clearly, I mean, Americans don't need to worry that their feckless, fearless leader might get wiped out by a stray Russian missile, right? You know, <laughs> you think about feeble Joe Biden strolling through the streets of Kiev uh, with Zelensky, the comic, the comedian, the great actor Zelensky. He he's not going to be able to leap out of the way if a bomb's coming in. Right. And they're out there and, you know, the 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 air sirens start going off. You know, Russia has been bombarding Kiev. And, you know, <laughs> so we're just going to let go good old Joe go for a walk, you know, go th- for a stroll through the streets and assume, you know, because the U.S. told the Russians that he was coming. Uh, evidently, they expect that the evil Russian tyrant is going to be polite and pause the constant barrage of missiles. <laughs> it's just for anybody in their right minds, friends. You know, the scenario really should be laughable or, or, or unimaginable. It's unthinkable. Come on, really? You know, isn't there more important things for Joe to be doing right now than strutting around the streets of Kiev when missiles are falling out of the sky all around? You know, I, you think it's unthinkable, but it's happening right before our eyes. Just like the uh, brazen Biden, you know, boldly ignoring the air raid sirens. He's defying safety as he shuffles through the important capital. You know, we are wired as human beings to try to make sense of all of this. Our minds are frantically flitting about in search of a story. Why is this happening? What's going on? Luke, I don't know. Why the hell are you even talking about it? You know, and I'm talking about it because this is how one's attention is captured and and really taken captive by the narrative. There are many other things going on in the world that are much more important, but for the, the majority of low information uh, you know, people, I mean, low information voters are the people who are out there hanging on every word of the mainstream narrative. This is what they see. And that becomes the story. But to really put it into proper context for the astute listening audience here and the torch report, uh, we need to zoom out, zoop, you know, go way out here. Let me ask you this. Did you hear, have you heard how the writings 
of Shakespeare and Orwell and Huxley and Kipling and Tolkien and Burke, you know, other famous and enormously influential classical writers, writers that have shaped, you know, the modern era with their contribution to literature. These authors have recently come under scrutiny from a government-funded counterterrorism study. So the government shills billions of dollars in taxpayer money into studying, you know, counterterrorism and extremism and all that. And they come to find out these seminal writers are guilty of producing the key texts for white nationalists and white supremacists. Friends, I had no idea. But reading their books like Tolkien or Orwell or Shakespeare, it can lead to wrong think. And this wrong think then leads to radicalization. So if you've got uh, any Tolkien books on the shelf there, you better, you better, you better just get rid of them. You might need to take them out back and burn them because it might lead you to thinking the wrong way and becoming a radical white, uh, white nationalist, white supremacist. I don't know, friends. Uh, But in a similar vein, Roald Dahl's classic. You guys know Roald Dahl? He's, um, I got my kid, the Roald Dahl set. And, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the BFG, Fantastic Mixer Fox, all these, you know, these are, these are part of American cultural uh, traditions. It's almost a milestone. It's almost a, a, a rite of passage to to read these books to your children. But now these books are being rewritten by these so-called sensitivity gurus who seek to please the collective cult and avoid offending all the woke liberal snowflakes, the mob. You know, they don't want to piss those people off. So we got to rewrite Roald Dahl's classics. Now, they're not saying that uh, the BFG, the big friendly giant, is necessarily going to lead you to wrong think and radicalization. They're just going to kind of slyly, you know, rewrite the story so it doesn't offend people. Now, of course, this is not an isolated event. I'm just using that as an example. And I think it would be wise, it would behoove us, my friends, to expect more of this type of intellectual tyranny. That's the words that came to mind this morning. This is intellectual tyranny. And we should expect more of this intellectual tyranny moving forward, given that this tactic comes straight out of the Communist Manifesto. Okay, we'll go ahead and read our commie passage for the day here. Quote, in bourgeois society, therefore, the past dominates the present. In communist society, the present dominates the past. Period. End quote. Okay, so in a capitalist society, the past dominates the present, meaning people look at what happened in the past, and if it works, we're going to, you know, use it uh, to keep working and to build a bigger, better society. But no, no, no. In a communist society, now the present dominates the past. And you think about what that means. You think about the toppling of all the statues. Think about the the rewriting of books and movies. Think about the well-funded lunacy like the uh, 1619 Project, which operates expressly to rewrite the American story. All this is happening. Everywhere we look, the current political agenda is utterly is utterly destroying our history. It's destroying our culture. And obviously, friends, you know as well as I do that this is not by accident. It should seem strange to people. It should feel weird to people. It should feel wrong to people. But 
not long ago, all of this would have been unthinkable. It would have been shocking that they were tearing down statues and and rewriting Roald Dahl and telling you that Tolkien uh, was going to turn you into a you know uh, a right wing extremist and all that. But it, it, here we are now. And all of a sudden, this has become commonplace. It's become accepted. It's even, you know, it's even championed. It's trumpeted as progress, you know, as backwards as that is, friends. It's all bass, backwards, as I like to say, because the commies use twisted language, which is the exact opposite of its real intent. And this is all part of the subconscious taming that we were just talking about when we, you know, we pulled those excerpts from rape of the mind, 1950s, you know, he's talking about subconscious taming it's political conditioning, really uh, rewiring the mind at the, at the level of neural synapsis. It's all part of the Pavlonian response conditioning. That's designed to bring the mind into submission and enslavement. And it was, <laughs> it's always refreshing uh, friends. When I read those words to bring the mind into submission and enslavement and really Realize, you know, that you, I didn't make that up. You know, I want you to know those are not my words. Those words are coming from, you know, esteemed psychologists. Okay. So it's happening and it's been happening so slowly and so indirectly that the majority of people still remain completely unaware of it or worse yet, they've already succumbed to it. They are already assimilated into the collective hive mind. And at this advanced stage, friends, it would be a grave mistake not to recognize this and call it out for what it is. It is, in fact, communist mind control techniques. You know, I did the special report there, friends, communist mind control. Uh, again, if you're if you're just catching up, if you're if you're new and tuning in, hey, welcome to all the new subscribers, by the way. Uh, great to have you on board, joining the conversation here. The truth you can trust. If you're listening on a podcast platform, please know you have to go. Do the torchreport.com to get all the goodies. Uh, the torchreport.com there. You can find the specialist, uh, I'm sorry, the special report on communist mind control that lines out the history, uh, the clinical precision, and all of that. But we have to call it out because that's what's happening. They're taking control of people's minds with the collective mimetic virus and all this kind of stuff. We've been warned about this for generations. They told us that this was coming, you know, and it's now our generation that has to square off with this insidious mental disease, this insidious plot to capture the minds of the masses and take control of the world. It's not going to just go away. It's only going to get worse as more and more people continue to accept the insanity as people become increasingly desensitized and reprogrammed to support the revolution, you know, these attacks against dissenting perspectives are only going to get worse. These, these, you know, these efforts to reprogram the defectives, it's only going to get worse. Things are going to get more violent uh, and necessarily so in the minds of the mob. Okay, they're pushing for this revolution, and it it kind of seems peaceful. The first step, the battle for democracy, and all that. But it is a violent uh, revolution. In the end, it is forcibly overthrowing the existing social order. So that's where we're headed, and we're getting there fast. And that's why classical works are being rewritten, and and the public is being conditioned to believe that such wrong think leads to radicalization. 
That's why perverted curriculum and pornographic materials are being pumped into our schools and why woke educators still think they have the moral high ground in teaching our children what society needs them to be taught. A little little, uh, link there in the report today, friends, about these teachers battling at the school boards. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more here in a minute. Uh, but, But the teachers say, well, I've got a PhD or I've got a master's degree. What do you got, you dumb peasant parents, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to teach your kids what society needs them to be taught. I don't care what you want me to teach them. It's, it's so haughty. It's so arrogant. It's so maddening. Uh, But again, where do these ideas come from? Friends, you will not be surprised to know that they come directly from the communist manifesto because the commies are taking over the world. Now, here's a direct quote from the communist manifesto, the abolition of the family. You know, even the most radical flare up at this infamous proposal of the communists. To this crime, we plead guilty. Okay, they plead guilty to the abolition of the family because they believe, and I'll continue on, you know, uh, from the Communist Manifesto. Quote, but you say we destroy the most hallowed of parent-child relations when we replace home education by social. The communists have not invented the intervention of society in education, but they do seek to alter the character of that intervention. End quote. For the Commie cult collective, friends. Institutional indoctrination is a moral obligation. They believe that with utter unshakable conviction. And for that reason, <laughs> to mirror this, you know, to, to, to resist, to be able to match might for might, we have to realize that we too have a moral obligation to resist this indoctrination. And again, you know, to call it out for what it is, we are facing a communist revolution and their efforts to assimilate the unsuspecting masses into the collective cult hive mind, you know, it's its nearly complete, friends. Uh, hence the radicalization of anything that reminds us of our cultural heritage, uh, you know, anything that's traditional values, any of our national roots that has to be done away with, because now the present controls the past, just like they said. Friends, it's, it's step by step. It's play by play. But there is an upside to all of this upside down reality. <laughs> and you're not going to believe it, friends. You're not going to believe it. It's uh, it's an odd alliance. Now, most parents have a pretty strong instinct to protect their children, right? I mean, I, 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 I say that when you think, oh yeah, every, every parent's going to protect their child. But many parents have actually been conditioned to trust the state with protecting their child. Now, many parents think it's the responsibility of the state to tend to their child's well-being. But families with strong religious faith have long been unnerved by all of this immoral indoctrination. And, you know, that's nothing new. But, but I find it absolutely fascinating that at this point, as this immoral insanity continues to push toward fever pitch, There are now Muslim and Christian parents who are standing together to battle school boards for the hearts and minds of their children. So, you know, it's it's awesome to me. I believe this is absolutely outstanding to have Muslims and Christians standing together to fight for the hearts and minds of their children. Yes. You know, this is precisely the heart of what I was saying in uh, Torch Report 180. 
friends in the fight for freedom. That was the most popular podcast from last year. And I talk about, man, are, are you willing to stand with somebody who believes a little bit different than you do? Because we need to right now. They're trying to divide and conquer us all. But if we can build relationships and alliances, then we, then we need to do that. In the global battle, the global battle against the cult collective, as freedom-loving individuals from all walks of life square off with the commies who are taking over the world, we must. It is absolutely essential that we set aside lesser differences and stand alongside those who may have different beliefs. Uh, this is absolutely critical, friends, because without such alliances, ultimately, we fail. That's it. If, if we're allowed to be divided and conquered and we're all these warring factions and we think, oh, because you go to a different church or whatever, whatever the case may be, uh, we, we, we can't be on the same side. That's wrong, friends. In order to make a stand on the right side of history, we have to be standing together with other people who may believe different, but they believe in, in the innate, you know, the, the, the innate human freedom, the spirit of freedom that is innate in our humanity. Maybe that's how I should say it. Uh, it would be a mistake, friends, to believe that those who believe differently are our enemies. Now, it's true, yes, our enemies believe differently than we do. But no, just because someone believes differently does not make them an enemy. Think about it, you know? I guarantee you that you and I disagree on plenty of things. If we were to sit down, we'd talk it all out. Like, you know what? I think this, you think that. What? You know, that's fine. That's perfectly okay. We do not need to think or believe exactly the same thing in order to have a relationship that's built on mutual respect. And if we've got a relationship built on mutual respect, then we can work together for, you know, the common good, right? Uh, but we can work together for the sake of building up our community, for example. Now, those who think that we absolutely must believe the same thing, those are the ones who are in a cult. And it doesn't matter if it's the collective cult or it's, uh, you know, the Kool-Aid drinking cult or it's some particular religious cult. You know, it doesn't matter what cult it is. If you think that everybody has to believe the same thing that you believe, you're in a cult. <laughs> you might be in a cult, you know. But coming back to the, to the communism here in the bigger picture, communism seeks to destroy all aspects of existing society. They do it through ideological subversion, through forcefully imposing their radical atheistic beliefs on everybody else in order to elevate the state, i.e. the collective, above all else. There can be no faith in God. There can be no faith in family. There can be no faith in tradition. In communism, there can only be faith in the revolution, faith in the supremacy of their radical ideas, faith in the inevitability of their success. And indeed, friends, quite ironically, the communists have more faith in their ideals than most Americans have faith in their traditions, okay? Which is precisely why they work so tirelessly, the commies who are taking over the world, they work tirelessly to undermine the public's faith in existing institutions in order to consolidate power and control in the hands of the state. That's the commie objective. They have to convince the working class, i.e. the masses, to place their faith in the state alone. And people are standing up against this. You know, in their minds, only the state can keep people safe. Only the state can tell you what's true. Only the state can level the playing field and ensure equality and equity for all. You know, only the state can mete out impartial justice and protect democracy. In other words, 
Only the state can solve all of our problems. The very problems that the state created in the first place. Yeah, and of course, friends, you know, this is all ridiculous hubris, but the state is nothing more than a bunch of power-hungry politicians and unelected bureaucrats working in cahoots to enrich themselves at the public's expense. That's what the state really is. The state is but one strata of society. It's the, it's the strata wherein sociopathic demagogues congregate to compete for total control of the population. That's what the state is. And yet they vie in vain, my friends, because they do not realize that the human spirit is irrepressibly free. We were born free. We will live free. We will die free if, if we uh, stand on our free and independent human nature. Now, the truth is, friends, they seek control, but they cannot have it. Though a great many people have succumbed to their seductive lies, they, you know, though they may leverage the mob to control the masses, though they may hijack the minds of the majority, and they may take control of the minds of the majority for some time. I realize I'm, I see the 20-minute mark. Come and go! That's okay. Uh, they ultimately cannot extinguish the human spirit. In time the strong will rise up to cast off their shackles. In time, the strong will rise up to fight for future generations and to emancipate the captives of this prevailing evil, friends. It is only a matter of time. The upside of all of this insanity is the acceleration of awareness and the forming of alliances that are necessary for the final stand, okay? Think global, act local. Get together and talk to people about what's going on, you know? Most people can sense that something's wrong, and you can help them understand what's happening. Now is the time for us to be out forging relationships before it's too late, because the downside to all of this, friends, it's much darker and it's much closer than most people could even possibly imagine. Friends, the time is nigh. Resist, we must. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart on the Substack app or the website. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And above all else, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with someone. Share it with anyone. Share it with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this magical, maniacal Monday, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.